All right. So welcome to story time with David and Mommy. <laughs> yes, and bacon and waffles. Uh, no, our special guest star is a whole bunch of pirates and one pirate hunter. Ooh, cool. Um, so we are continuing to read Treasure Island Chapter Nine by Robert Stevenson's Treasure Island. And you're right, this is chapter nine, Powder and Arms. The Hispaniola lay some way out, and we went under the figureheads and round the sterns of many other ships, and their cables sometimes grated underneath our keel, and sometimes swung above us. At last, however, we got alongside, and were met and saluted as we stepped aboard by the mate, Mr. Arrow, a brown old sailor with earrings in his ears and a squint. He and the squire were very thick and friendly, but I soon observed that things were not the same between Mr. Trelawney and the captain. This last was a sharp-looking man who seemed angry with everything aboard and was soon to tell us why, for we'd hardly got down to the cabin when a sailor followed us. Captain Smollett, oxen to speak with you, said he. I'm always at the captain's orders. Show him in, said the squire. The captain, who was close behind his messenger, entered at once and shut the door behind him. Well, Captain Smollett, what have you to say? All well, I hope. All ship-shape and seaworthy. Well, sir, said the captain, I'd better speak plain, I believe, even at the risk of offense. I don't like this cruise. I don't like the men, and I don't like my officer. That's short and sweet. What? The, the captain says that he doesn't like... Anything? He doesn't like the crew. He's, he didn't pick him. Squire Trelawney picked him. He doesn't like his first mate, Mr. Arrow. And he doesn't, he thinks that the cruise that they're going to go set out, cruise is another name for a voyage on a ship. I don't know what it is. Yeah. He doesn't like it. Perhaps, sir, you don't like the ship, inquired the squire, very angry as I could see. I can't speak to that, sir, not having seen or tried, said the captain. She seems a clever craft. More I can't say. Possibly, sir, you may not like your employer either, said the squire. But here Dr. Livesey cut in. Stay a bit, says he, stay a bit. No use of such questions as that but to produce ill feeling. The captain has said too much or he has said too little, and I'm bound to say that I require an explanation of his words. You don't like you say this cruise. Now why? I was engaged, sir, on what we call sealed orders to sail this ship for that gentleman where he should bid me said the captain. So far, so good. But now I find that every man before the mass knows more than I do. I don't call that fair. Now do you? No, said Dr. Livesey. I don't. Next, said the captain, I learn we are going after treasure. I hear it from my own hands, mind you. Now treasure is ticklish work. I don't like voyages, treasure voyages on any account, and I don't like them above all when they are secret. And when, begging your pardon, Mr. Trelawney, the secret has been told to the parrot. Silver's parrot? asked the squire. It's a way of speaking, said the captain. Blabbed, I mean. It's my belief neither of you gentlemen know what you are about. But I'll tell you my way of it, life or death, and a close run. That is all clear, and I dare say true enough, replied Dr. Livesey. We'll take the risk, but we are not so ignorant as you believe us. Next, you say you don't like the crew. Are they not good seamen? I don't like them, sir, returned Captain Smollett, and I think I should have had the choosing of my own hands if you go to that. Perhaps you should, replied the doctor. My friend should perhaps have taken you along with him. 
but the slight, if there be one, was unintentional. And you don't like Mr. Arrow? I don't believe, sir, he's a good seaman. And I don't, sir, I believe he's a good seaman, but he's too free with the crew to be a good officer. A mate should keep himself to himself, shouldn't drink with the men before the mast. Do you mean he drinks? cried the squire. No, sir, replied the captain, only that he's too familiar. Well, now, and the short and long of it, captain, asked the doctor, tell us what you want. Well, gentlemen, are you determined to go on this cruise? Like iron, answered the squire. Very good, said the captain. Then, as you've heard me very patiently, saying things that I could not prove, hear me a few words more. They are putting the powder and arms in the forehold. Now you have a good place under the cabin. Why not put them there? First point. Then you are bringing four of your own people with you, and they tell me some of them are, are to be berthed forward. Why not give them berths here beside the cabin? Second point. Any more? asked Mr. Trelawney. One more, said the captain. There's been too much blabbing already. Far too much, agreed the doctor. I'll tell you what I've heard myself, continued Captain Smollett, that you have a map of an island, that there are crosses on the map to show where the treasure is, and that the island lies, and he named the latitude and longitude exactly. I never told that, cried the squire, to a soul. The hands know it, sir, returned the captain. Livesey, that must have been you or Hawkins, cried the squire. Doesn't matter who it was, replied the doctor, and I could see that neither he nor the captain paid much regard to Mr. Trelawney's protestations. Neither did I, to be sure. He was so loose a talker, and yet in this case I believe he was really right in that nobody had told the situation of the island. Well, gentlemen, replied the, continued the captain, I don't know who has this map but I make it a point. It shall be kept secret even from me and Mr. Arrow. Otherwise, I would ask you to let me resign. I see, said the doctor. You wish to keep this matter dark and make a garrison of the stern part of the ship, manned with my friend's own people, and provided with all arms and powder on board. In other words, you fear a mutiny. You know what a mutiny is? A mutiny. So when you sail on a ship, you have... You know, the captain, you have the first mate, like you're Captain David and I'm first mate mommy. And the first mate's job is to help the captain and help them run the ship. Um, and then you have all the crew underneath that. And every one of the crew has their own jobs. A mutiny is when the crew members decide that the captain shouldn't be the captain anymore. And they, they decide to remove the captain and make him not the captain. And they, they're going to say somebody else is the captain. But who? I don't know. Like if you meet the Lieutenant and me, you would be the captain. Yeah. And Daddy would be in charge of it. Or unless I mutinied against Daddy, and then I would be in charge of him. But it's a very dangerous thing to do unless things are clearly bad. Unless the captain is definitely not a good captain. So unfortunately, we don't have that problem. I need water. Okay, go get yourself some water. Sir, said Captain Smollett, with no attention to take offense, I deny your right to put words in my mouth. No captain, sir, would be justified in going to sea at all if he had ground enough to say that. As for Mr. Arrow, I believe him thoroughly honest. Some of the men are the same, all may be for what I know, but I am responsible for the ship's safety and the life of every man jack aboard her. I see things going as I think not quite right, and I ask you to take 
certain precautions or let me resign my berth. That is all. Captain Smollett, began the doctor with a smile, did you ever hear the fable of the mountain and the mouse? You'll excuse me, I dare say, but you remind me of that fable. When you came in here, I'd stake my wig. You meant more than this. Doctor, said the captain, you are smart. When I came in here, I meant to get discharged. I had no thought that Mr. Trelawney would hear a word. No more would I would, cried the squire. Had Livesey not been here... I should have sent, seen you to the deuce. As it is, I've heard you. I will do all as you desire, but I think the worse of you. That's all you please, sir, said the captain. You'll find I do my duty. And with that, he took his leave. Trelawney, said the doctor, contrary to all my notions, I believe you have managed to get two honest men on board with you, that man and John Silver. Silver, if you like, cried the squire, but for that intolerable humbug, I declare I think his conduct unmanly, unsailorly, and downright un-English. Well, said the doctor, we shall see. When we came on deck, the men had already begun to take out the arms and powder, yo-hoing at their work while the captain and Mr. O stood by superintending. The new arrangement was quite to my liking. The whole schooner had been overhauled. Six berths had made a stern out of what had been what had been the after part of the main hold, and this set of cabins was only joined to the galley and forecastle by a sparred passage on the port side. It had been originally meant that the captain, Mr. Arrow, Hunter Joyce, and the doctor and the squire were to occupy these six berths. Now Redruth and I were to get two of them, and Mr. Arrow and the captain were to sleep on deck in the companion, which had been enlarged on each side till you might almost have called it a roundhouse. Very low it was still, of course, but there was room to swing two hammocks, and even the mate seemed pleased with the arrangement. Even he, perhaps, had been doubtful as to the crew, but that is only that is only guess, for as you shall hear, we had not long the benefit of his opinion. We were all hard at work changing the powder in the berths when the last man or two and Long John along with them came off in a shore boat. The cook came up the side like a monkey for cleverness, and as soon as he saw what was doing— so ho, mates, he says, what's this? We're a change in the powder, Jack, answers one. Why ah! buy the powers? Well, a lot of um, sailors, pirates just called each other Jack. It was a nickname. Why buy the powers, cried Long John. If we do, we'll miss the morning tide. My orders, said the captain shortly. You may go below, my man. Hands will want supper. Aye, aye, sir, answered the cook, and touching his forelock, he disappeared at once in the direction of the galley. That's a good man, Captain, said the doctor. Very likely, sir, replied Captain Smollett. Easy with that, man, easy, he ran on to the fellows who were shifting the powder, and then suddenly observing me examining the swivel, we carried amidships a long brass nine. Here, you, ship's boy, he cried, out of that, off with you to the cook and get some work. And as I was hurrying off, I heard him say quite loudly to the doctor, I'll have no favorites on my ship. I assure you, I was quite in the way squire's way of thinking and hated the captain deeply. Um, Hawkins. So Captain Smollett is a very practical, very hard man. He says what he means and he means what he says. And I think a lot of other people in this book are being tricky and sneaky, especially one. Who do you think is being tricky and sneaky? 
<gasps> Long John Silver. Mm. Told you, sometimes people are very charming, but they can be like a snake. And you always got to be careful. All right, so next up we have chapter 10, which is called <laughs> The Voyage. Chapter 10 is called The Voyage. Now you will never get me bald. So join us next time for chapter 10 of Treasure Island. And promise you pirates. And ask you pirates. Boo! We Boo! set sail in the morning. Yar. Ah!